your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Our analysis of the Vegas Golden Knights at the midway point of the season coming up today. Notable games, good and bad, a player review, and our assessment of the coaching staff so far. Hi again, everyone. Tony Cardasco and Chris Collick from Las Vegas. You don't look like an alien anymore. I don't know what was going on. He had a green film there. Um, I got the fog. You are an alien guy. People like the fog. People like talk to me too. And like, they want me to mention like they like the fog. So they think it's funny. It is funny, but it's not, it's natural. It's all natural. (laughs) Chris Golick from Las Vegas. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. You can find us on Twitter at lockdown VGK at TD Chris G. That's him. I'm at Tony Dasco. Follow us and subscribe on our YouTube channel, lockdown golden Knights. And so let's talk about the midway point ish of the season could have been precise and done it last week, but it's okay. Uh, It's time for our analysis of the VGK. And let's start off with notable games, uh, good and bad, good side uh, first. Uh, You know, I think the good would have to be the nine game win streak, the five straight wins on the road. And to me, the trademark uh, victories of the season were the revenge games, right? Uh, the Bruce Cassidy revenge tour winning at Boston four to three and Jack Eichel in Buffalo. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you look at games that were, you know, circled on the calendar for personal reasons, of course, Um, Jack Eichel, definitely revenge, you know, even second time back, but definitely uh, he's got some motivation and, and um, Cassidy wanted to win that game, but it wasn't like the emotional stick it to the Bruins or anything like that. Um, He had nothing but good things to say, obviously about his time there, but when he was in Boston, you know, catching up with people, dinners, family, friends and everything, but certainly those are the games that were very um, excitable as far as the fan base goes. And, you know, who didn't love watching Mark Stone chirp send him home after uh, that win in Buffalo? And, of course, that prompted me to get my jersey that's not hanging up behind me right now that says send him home on the back. And, you know, a couple fun games right there. For me, I'm looking at more um, of some of, like, the the best, like, defining-type games at home and maybe, like, 60-minute efforts. And Anaheim, October 28th, obviously. It's Anaheim, but... Still, they did everything they needed to do, jump out to a lead and just own that game uh, beginning to end. That same week, they had a really good game against the Toronto Maple Leafs on the Monday prior. Um, And then uh, recently, the Pittsburgh Penguins game, very notable games where they had pretty good 60-minute efforts. But then looking at the schedule, like looking at a lot of the other games, you know, like even though they beat Arizona 5-2 to December 21st, it's a game that was kind of, in the balance a little bit. Same thing on Thursday, uh, November 17th. That was when I was tweeting that, hey, something just doesn't seem right with this team. So, you know, it, it's been an up and down roller coaster, but m- more decent than bad, I think, Tony, so far. Yeah. And uh, to us, of course, VGK kind of separated themselves early, and now they've sort of coasted after that uh, very quick start this season. The surprise has to be playing well on the road. Not so well at about a 500 clip here at home. 
Yeah, and that's going to be a big concern. Cassidy has had comments about playing at home. He's had comments about coming back from road trips. He's had comments about being home for the holidays and things like that. Well, okay, here's a good example. Right now, we've been home since uh, Saturday. Our next home game is Thursday. Are the VGK going to be distracted because they're with their families? Like, is that the excuse, the narrative that Cassidy is preaching about these home games right now? And if that's the case, uh, the Florida Panthers are about to come in and uh, wipe the wipe the wipe the ice with us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, there's always there's been a lot of excuses. We'll talk about the negative in a minute, but uh, the positives this season, and just the way that the team I think has come together. The injuries, yes, notwithstanding, uh, they've played well together when they are a together unit. And we've seen the very best, and then we've seen the not so good with this team. And when we take a look at some of the bad losses, and I know that you went through the entire schedule as well, um, now they have, well, I mean, they really do need to feast on home ice because now they still have five in a row remaining here at home. But uh, the bad losses... Um, I had that five to one loss at Vancouver that occurred earlier this season Uh, when they came home after winning those nine straight, Chris, uh, they lost to St. Louis three to two. And that uh, game kind of punked them here on home ice. That, that, That was definitely a rough one and a very unfortunate game. It's unfortunate for a lot of reasons. One, we all felt it was coming like we all knew. First game back from the road trip, big road trip, nine-game winning streak, and here come the Blues who, you know, at that time were absolutely doing nothing, and they're not doing much more than anything now. But at the time, they definitely weren't doing a whole lot. And credit Biddington. We were at that game, obviously, and Biddington did have a remarkable game after a bit of a slow start. But I still remember, like, watching that game when the first VGK is on the penalty kill. They get a they get a breakaway. I think it was Stevenson, and he, he makes a good attempt. Biddington saves it. And then, like, four players from the Blues collapse on the puck in the corner. And I think he found Riley Smith right coming right down the slot. And Smith uh, got a wrist shot. Like, okay, good start to this game, right? Everything seems to be working out okay. And the Blues just kind of hung out and hung out. And the BGK couldn't get back in it. And then you kind of look what happens after that, right? They are, they're off on that Monday and Tuesday. Sharks come in 5-2, to two, beat them. And then the next game was that Arizona game where we did win 4-1. to one. But that's when I was kind of like, hey, something isn't necessarily adding up up here. Uh, they have a home game against Ottawa the 23rd the next week. They went 4-1, to one, but that game was even kind of in the balance just for a minute or two. And then, uh, you know, if, if, I'm not sure if we're jumping, crossing the streams here, but then we have the, the home, back-to-back home games, Friday the 25th of November and the 26th, Seattle-Vancouver. Lose 4-2 to against Seattle and lose 5-1 to one against uh, Vancouver. And I'll save most of that for our coach segment because I feel like that those two games gave us a little bit of um, a definition of the bad side of Cassidy. And it's not that Cassidy is a bad coach. I'm not saying that. But all coaches will have um, areas of opportunity, if you will, that will be um, identified throughout a season. And there were some concerning things that stood out to me for those, two, those couple of games about Coach Cassidy. Okay, you have to agree the most valuable person – schedule maker in the first half i mean edmonton's gonna that's who you ask you ask any player in the golden knights they're gonna tell you no well you should be stacking wins at home and that's on them but everything's been so favorable and edmonton will come in playing three games in four days and a back-to-back again on a tail end coming here uh over six on the power play or something last night the the edmonton oilers were oh my god 
Oh, oh, the, that Kings team. Yeah, they're just playing over their heads. They're just, it's not. I cannot agree more with that. Credit the Kings, but they are playing over their heads. <laughs> Come on. 100%. <laughs> Credit them for doing well. But they are playing the over excuses, their heads. This is such an excuse laden organization. Organization, the bad ice, the injuries. Uh, don't complain to Colorado. And then, of course, uh, they have it so easy on these back to backs. And again, they have the back to back coming up where they go it's a 19 mile distance between where the devils are located and where they're going to be playing the islanders okay so it's just short quick bus trips no flights uh boston even got job this past week where uh they had to play in la then they go up the coast uh to play san jose and then the next night they have to fly back to anaheim rather than just taking the bus but that's another story i you know i I just but they should be benefiting from this schedule a lot more. They should be taking advantage of the schedule. But the worst losses, I thought, the shootout loss to L.A. and then the Ducks the next night. You know, you couple those two because, again, and I just, I, I just remember Alec Martinez just whining and saying, yeah, we have to deal with the schedule that's handed to us coming out of the break. This is going to be a tough one. I mean, you're right down the road and you don't have to change time zones. I'm sorry, but I know that I harp on this too much, Chris, but they should be taking advantage of this schedule. These are professional athletes that are in the best shape of their you know life for the most part. I mean, some injuries and things like that. And, you know, crossing time zones and stuff, there's certainly a little bit of weight behind that. And there have been some games where they don't get that time to adjust where other teams might. But as a whole, I don't necessarily buy that as an excuse. And it's not the right time definitely to come to make a comment about, yeah, we got a, you know, we had a 45 minute flight going through private terminals and, and then a 15 minute bus ride, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Tony. I don't think uh, time and place, you know, listen, if you just come in, if, if you just came out of the, the Christmas break, you can't travel that Monday because you're still froze, even though the Toronto Maple Leafs did do that and received a $500,000 fine for violating whatever it was, CBA or something, whatever they violated. Um, but they did it anyway, fully knowing that they were violating something. You know, if they had to travel to New York and like land in New York at you know, noon local time and play a seven o'clock game, okay, fine. I'll certainly uh, give a little bit more to that one. But yeah, you're going to Anaheim and then you're jumping on the bus to LA or the other way around or whatever the heck it was, you know, and, and and that's a tough road trip. I mean, if you get three out of four points on that road trip, fine. We're not going to complain about that. If they had beaten the Kings like they should have, and then, you know, something weird happens against, against the Ducks, fine, whatever, so be it. Things like that are going to happen. But that's one of those road trips where you need three out of four points. And you can point back to the five-game home – or the five-game road winning streak all over the place. You can point back to some games they've won where they should have lost, but that doesn't matter. You do have to stack these points. You do have to stack these wins because – Right now, this moment, it seems like health is, you know, getting better. Uh, rumblings about Theodore possibly coming back sooner than later, as well as Miramanov. Nothing concrete yet from what I've seen, but it could happen as soon as Thursdays from what some people have been reporting out there. So the team is getting back to health. Things are hopefully going to be, it's going to be a, a great January, I think, I hope. But then there's going to be more injuries. Something's going to happen, just the nature of the beast and how can the team adjust and there is some depth now, right, Tony? There is some depth. We've seen it on the defense. Um, I mean, Ben Hutton got scratched for Korzak and Pahal, so we definitely got depth on defense, right? 
Yeah, definitely. And uh, 27-13-2 at this juncture of the season, much better than we anticipated. And I think we're both in agreement. If DGK had a better home record than on the road, fans would not be concerned. But again, not defending the home ice. And you and I both had a 4-2-1 and one prediction for this home stand. They're off to one. Right on pace. Right on pace. <laughs> Uh, coming up next, uh, we're going to be taking a look at the players. Uh, we'll have our assessment through the first half of this season when we return right here on Locked On Golden Knights. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting information for your stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league that is out there. From pro football to college and pro basketball to the NHL, we have it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We are always the fastest, the easiest way to get your betting information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn a lot more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Welcome back from Las Vegas. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick from Las Vegas. We thank you for making us your first listen each and every day. You can find us wherever you get your podcast. And please remember, our YouTube channel is available. And uh, we'd like for you to subscribe there. And Chris, uh, a lot of uh, chatter yesterday. Uh, I think a lot of the fans wanted to see our mugs on YouTube. Yeah? Yeah, I saw someone mentioning uh, we need to, uh, everyone needs to see these and we need more comments and things like that. And yeah, I'm with you on that. I wish... uh, our YouTube could get a little more love right now. And it has a lot of love. Don't get me wrong. We look at where we started, you know, a few, a few short months ago, which was actually April. And really the, the, the visual pods, if you will, started sometime in like early June or something like that. So it's, it's getting better. It's getting better. Um, really quick shout out. I was uh, doing my thing, selling my cards last night. Um, and on the app I sell on, you see a little avatar picture pop up next to the person. Whenever I see anything Vegas or Golden Knights related, I jump on, say hello, and try and you know start a conversation. And it was either I forgot the name, I wrote it down, I can't find it. You saw me like moving around here trying to find it somewhere. Uh, but it was either Squibby or Squiddy, I forgot what it was, but a nice black and white VGK logo. So, point being is uh, that person found it, watches the show all the time. And actually found me on whatnot to watch, uh, you know, my uh, my little show last night, selling cards and things like that. So we had some pleasant interactions. So uh, definitely uh, made me feel uh, warm and fuzzy inside. People uh, watching the show and then finding me in my uh, personal business life and all that, and uh, shooting the breeze. And uh, you know, maybe we'll uh, we'll have a new client, right? A new client. <laughs> but are you going? Uh, are you going to be covering the game coming up on Thursday against Florida? I don't know. That, that's my that, that's my birthday. I'm, I'm trying to weigh that right now. I'm trying to weigh that right now. So right. I don't know. The birthday know. show. Another milestone coming up here. 42. Uh, the overhit, folks. The overhit. <laughs> players that made the biggest impact uh, in the first half of this season. Uh, some solid players. Uh, I want to begin with uh, three players of note uh, just because they've played in every game. Uh, and they've also uh, obviously been productive. Chandler Stevenson. Mark Stone, Riley Smith on uh, the offensive end of the ice. Stevenson, I I did make a prediction over the summer, Chris. I said, there's no way this guy's going to have a better season than he did a year ago. And lo and behold, he's got 40 points already at the midway point. Stone, uh, despite that offseason surgery, he's labored at times on the ice. Uh, You and I are like, uh, he looks like he's on his last leg and he just 
keeps getting that. He, he's a stone. Point. Stone is the warrior this year. Stone. Is, they're all warriors, but stone is the warrior this year. He definitely is 17 goals, 38 points and Riley Smith, 29 points and 18 goals. Yeah. I mean, everyone you mentioned, Tony, they're, they are noticeable. They are doing things, especially someone like Riley Smith and Mark stone who ha- are, you know, tasked with playing a lot more defense and things like that. Speaking of defense, Jack Eichel playing, getting all this time on the PK. We were on with uh, uh, DiBiase, Ted DiBiase. I always call him Ted DiBiase, <laughs> but um, the gentleman who hosts uh, Locked On Buffalo Sabres. And he mentioned Eichel got some PK time up in Buffalo, but not a whole lot. And not a lot. He's getting a fair amount here, and he does a good job. Like, you don't – no one thought of Jack Eichel as a defensive player, right? No one. And he's got a good stick. He's got an active stick. A lot like Stone in the fact that he's going to – you know, be ran your tail as you're doing your breakout pass, you know, pestering you, trying to create that turnover. And he can, he does create turnovers along the boards that lead to uh, some rushes and things like that. Or um, on the offensive side, you know, finding that open ice, going back to the Pittsburgh game, um, when I think it was Riley Smith who chipped it up the boards to him and he just uh, started the scoring that game a couple minutes in. And when I asked him about the infamous softball celebration, um, just some going a little bit deeper here, uh, Mike Amadio, we can't go too far without talking about Mike Amadio's contributions right now. Only six goals and five assists on the on the stat side, but most of those are coming when he was up on that top line and things like that. What's so his if new you were nickname? To, his new nickname. Super Super Amadio. No, Amadio Light. Amadio Light. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, Tony. I, I walked into that one. Shame, shame on me for that one. Um, Paul Cotter been noticeable when he's had the opportunity on that top line. And, you know, curious uh, where things are going to shake out there. Um, kind of back. We'll hit more of that in the in the third segments. Um, Nick Haig. I don't know. Nick Haig. Um, yeah, that, that that's a fair assessment right there. Right. That, yeah. That's a fair assessment right there. William Carlson. I mean, I know you're going to jump on me here, but he does have seven goals and he's got 21 assists, though. 21 assists. I mean, that's not a, you know, he's basically on pace for somewhere in the high 50, low, low 50, mid fifties, as far as points goes, if he can go on a run that can get into the sixties or if he hibernates, that'll be a, in the upper thirties. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Phil Kessel, we, we dog him a lot, but he's sitting on seven goals and 10 assists in a spot where he's, he, he can't get a defined role. He it's tough to utilize him properly because our top six is crowded right now. When he does get time with the top six, he does play it. He does have a noticeable game, a much more noticeable game. And I think when he's in the bottom six, which is really line three, he's never going to be on line four. But when he's in line three, I think he's trying to play a much more careful defensive type game. And then the opportunities will come when they're there. But he does have a good touch around the net. He is scoring some goals. And I still hold out hope that Kessel was brought in to get through the regular season and we're going to see another gear in the playoffs. Obviously, that's uh, we won't have a sample size for about another four months or so for that. Um, March or so had a real hot start for a while, right? Goals in a number of games, nice little streak going. He's sitting on 28 points right now. In 36 games. Exactly. But you and I both alluded to this. I don't think, and I don't have anything besides a hunch to jump in on this, and I don't think anyone does, based on just some small things we've heard from Cassidy and some things we've seen. I don't think something is fully clicking between March or so and Cassidy. And I'm not saying he's in the doghouse. I'm not going to go that far. But if there's one player that doesn't like William Carlson and Pete DeBoer didn't click, right? Let's, you know, I don't know if March or so and Cassidy are fully clicking yet. But March or so, 
unlike Carlson, I will I will jump on the Tony train here. At least uh, Marcho does have 28 points, and he's on pace for a, a nice little number. He'll probably get into the 60s, uh, health pending, obviously. Uh, Petrangelo has been an absolute gem, right? I mean, 29 assists, 20, 24 assists already. And obviously, he did miss a number of games. Um, family is doing better from all accounts, so that's a good thing. And now he's back on the ice. And Petrangelo is going to be our leader as long as he can hold out. They might have to get an IV drip going for all the minutes he's chewing up. But, oh, my God. And, you know, again, Mark Stone, can't say enough about him, right? There are games where we're like, why is he on the ice? And then you you, you asked me a couple times, Tony, right? I'm at the games. You send me a text. Hey, how does Stone look? My answer usually is he's skating confidently. He is skating like early in the season, right? You can see him being careful and just it was a couple like even games. broken down at one point. Yeah, no, there were a few times like that. And then I think it was like one of the next games after you and I maybe talked about this on a show. And like you're watching him make these moves at the blue line because most players know Mark Stone is not the type of player who's going to come at you one on one and try and make a move. But he has this thing he does when he gets inside the blue line. A lot of players, when they get inside the blue line, like Phil Kessel, he's notorious for this. He skates his butt off, hits the brakes, looks for a pass down the slot or, you know, to dump it in the corner. Stone does the same exact thing. But what Stone does that Kessel doesn't, Stone will try and make a move and put it right between your legs and create an opportunity from just inside the blue line, whether it's, a you know, another move he's going to make or a pass or a shot. But Stone is showing some confidence to try and make some one-on-one moves right now, which is something that we don't see a lot of from him. I uh, wanted to go back to those three players that I started with, right? Uh, special teams contributions, right? You look mm-hmm. at uh, Stevenson, five power play goals and seven assists on the power play. That's huge, incredible, right? That's big. Uh, Smith, six power play goals and four, four shorthanded goals, which still is astounding. And he's had at least three, four more chances. Him him, and William Carlson got to be the, one of the best uh, PK like lines in all of hockey, if not the best. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I, I put, uh, you know, I had in the disappointment category, I did have Kessel because I just thought he could do a lot more. That's fair. He went from the first to the third line. I don't know what his role is, but the one thing that you and I have both uh, talked about on this show is that Eichel, I mean, not Eichel, Kessel, just appears to sometimes just be okay. I got to keep this Iron Man, you know, streak intact. And other nights he asserts himself, like he did against the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, where he got out to that early jump. So I I don't know. I mean, he's a, a veteran, probably on his last uh, skate, whatever. But I I don't know what his role is going to be moving forward. Another disappointment to me, uh, Nick Haig. You mentioned him. Um, he has not done much. Uh, in my estimation, Alec Martinez, yes, he's uh, done a great job in getting in front of pucks and getting injured and, and blocking shots, but no goal so far. He's definitely lost a step defensively, had a turnover again the other night. And then, um, you know, uh, surprises, uh, Paul Cotter. Paul Cotter, we haven't mentioned him. And then Will Carrier. Oh, uh, how, how do we go this long without credit and Will Carrier? Okay, well, because we have all sorts of notes here. So in, in any event, Carrier, uh, he's stuck now on 10 goals, seven games without a goal. So did he just want to stuck? He is stuck on 10 games. He's did stuck he, on 10 goals. Did he how just want, how did awesome he just, is Will Carrier's life right now? Did he just want to have one more goal than last year? And now he's done for the season? Going a bit deeper with Will Carrier, now that you mentioned that, and, and this is something that I, I would like to tee up next time I, wor- I work a game, depending on what Will Carrier's influence on the outcome is. 
you have, you know, what he did last year, right? And wasn't much. He's already at his career high goals right now at 10, but he's not just doing that. He is getting some power play time every now and then. It's on the tail end, last 30 seconds usually, but he is getting some power play time and he is getting his butt in front of the net and trying to make something happen. And more importantly, I see this line that Cassidy goes to when, when things are, when the BGK is winning a close game late. Carlson, Wah, Carrier in the last 60 seconds of games. So Carrier wears a number of hats for this team. And because, yes, he is stuck on, on 10 goals, it doesn't mean he's uh, not doing a whole lot of other wonderful things. Uh, Miramanov, uh, we definitely uh, put him in the plus category for his contributions. And just watching him blossom in front of our eyes, right? I mean, we kind of saw some hints last year. And you, you can see what he did in the AHL level as far as his stats and the way he can score and run a power play and work the offensive side of the blue line and he's getting better on the defensive side Cassidy always makes it a point to say hey he's got the shot he's got the skill we just got to teach him how to play a little better defense and you know so I'm real curious uh, how long Miramanov can stick in this lineup uh, once everyone is healthy outside of White Cloud I mean I think Miramanov has earned that sixth defensive man role and then defensive man oh, credit to shout out to my old good friend Mitch Dietz who always called him the defensive man the defenseman um it, Miramov definitely is in that sixth role. And then Ben Hutton seems like he's dropped to about 14th on the depth chart by the way Cassie's been using him the last couple of games. Yeah, Hutton uh, played in just 13 games, I think I saw somewhere. And then uh, Brett Howden. Uh, okay, we don't know where he he's at. We haven't really heard anything about him. Theodore, White Cloud, uh, of course, out with injuries. Uh, let's get into goaltending here in just the next uh, few minutes, and then we'll get into the coaching assessments after the break. But uh, LT, um, 18, 10, and 1, two shutouts. Uh, he's appeared in 29 games so far. And then Aiden Hill, 15 games. So it is a two-for-one uh, formula that they're going with here uh, with Aiden Hill um, and, of course, LT. Um, and so Logan Thompson, again, uh, with a good record, great start, all-star now. And then Hill. Starting all-star. Has, starting all-star. Starting all-star. And then Hill has contributed really well, too. I think it's a surprise and that he's 9-3-1, and one, even though he's had some really shaky outings. No, the, the record definitely. I'm pulling up Rassois' stats as well, because obviously that's something that we're going to have to hit on now. We're talking about goalies here. Um, but... Talking about the goalies and what's happening, starting with Aiden Hill, right? I mean, the record is good. You know, I, people are kind of dogging him a little bit. We have as well, you know, when he gets uh, pulled and things like that. But you look at the record and things are working. It's not always the prettiest when Aiden is out there, but it doesn't need to be. And if you have any questions about that, watch Phoenix Copley for uh, the Los Angeles Kings, who's now, I think, 10-2, and 11-2, 11-3, whatever it is, depending if you played uh, recently or not. And he's a as journeyman as journeyman gets where he's been bouncing around the NHL since like 11, 12 or something like that. And he's having the best run of his life right now. So give him credit for what he is accomplishing right now. And back to Logan Thompson, you know, it's, it's going to be a ride. It's going to be a bumpy ride at times because he is still a young rookie, a young man. Sound like I'm all old and stuff here, but he is still a young rookie learning how to deal with the day-to-day stuff of this game. And it's definitely not going to be an easy thing to do. And He's the all-star. He is the Pacific Division starting goaltender. If you would have told me at the start of the season, Tony, 
that VGK was going to have the starting goalie for the Pacific in the All-Star game, I would have uh, had the popcorn out and uh, fired a what the Friday at you for that one. Um, all right, Brassois, here we go. Two four four goals against, 6-8 and eight record. I don't care about that. But a nine one five save percentage. He's putting up NHL numbers right now. He is putting up NHL quality numbers in the and against AHL players fine to get that but still as far as the goaltender job is you know sure there's some big differences at the AHL level but he's putting up the numbers that are worthy of him getting to the NHL whether it's with the VGK or with another team we're going to find out but I still say in the next uh less than a week away I think we're going to see Brassois in the VGK ice and they're going to have to make a decision Coming up next, uh, our assessment of the VGK coaches through the first half of the season. Stay with us on Locked On Golden Knights. Our next partner has a product that we use literally every day. We started talking about Athletic Greens because myself and Chris, we're always on the move. We don't have time to take in a full meal. Uh, Sometimes he drinks his meals as well with Athletic Greens and other beverages. Uh, we've been talking about this for a few months here. <laughs> yeah, he got slimed before this guy. I don't know. He came up like looking like an alien. He had this green film on his screen today, uh, just like athletic greens. That's green as well, of course. And it's so good. It has 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole force, super whole uh, sourced superfoods, and so much more. And, uh, again, it is really good. It's a lifestyle friendly sort of a brand. You need to try it out, and it costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health. It's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. And there are a ton of testimonies, and they also donate to organizations like No Kid Hungry here in the U.S. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome back to Lockdown Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick from Las Vegas. Let's get into coaching and our assessment. Of course, Bruce Cassidy, first season here with VGK, first of three, uh, first of two and a half. Um, Cassidy, uh, changed this system, brought in a new style. He's been very transparent, I feel, with the media. He walks us through a lot of the things and his rationale for making changes. Uh, we feel too many line changes, perhaps, at this time of the season. Uh, not afraid to call out players, as we saw. Him and Marsha saw, yeah, there's something definitely up with those two. He benched him earlier this season. Uh, but after everything, um, some adversity, trials and tribulations, injuries, bad ice, and the such. It's a still a team that is in first place. Yeah, I mean, hit the nail on the head with everything that you said. And we can second guess him. We can have concerns about the things he did. We can mention his two and a half year clock. And that's not a shot in Cassidy by any means. It was very subtle the way he did that, but it was nice. Uh, just the reality two and a half years, we have a new coach in Vegas. And that's not a, a unique thing for Vegas either. But back to Cassie, there's this this two-game window as far as the negative side, and there's plenty of positive, but going to the negative first because that's just what we do as a society. I go back to the November 25th and 26th games, Seattle and Vancouver. It's the Seattle game, right? Seattle comes out, quick lead on us, very, very quick lead, and it's not looking good for the BGK coming back on you know a quick turnaround from a nice 4-1 to win against the Ottawa Senators. 
Marchessault so gets benched for the whole first, along with a couple or almost the entire first, along with a couple other players. We wonder if they're injured, what's going on. The Lions were put in not even a blender. It was worse. It was a blender on top of the San Andreas fault. It was like just crazy what was happening that game. And VGK gets back in the game, right? They get the game to level. They tie the game level. There you go, Tony. They get the game level. They tie it up. And then they go back to the other lines. They can, okay, we're going to get this back right now. And the lines are going to click. Well, they don't click. And Vegas loses that game four to two. Okay, fine. Whatever. That's going to happen. The very next night, they put up a horrid effort against the Vancouver Canucks. Again, fine. It happens. But there were no mix-ups of the lines whatsoever and if there's one game i wish i would have worked and i could have asked him and said hey what did you see out of your lines tonight that made you stick with them knowing that last night you got a spark when you made lines like i would have been real curious to see what that answer would have been so that's the one spot that concerns me but now early in the season paul cotter comes out for amadio cotter has a jump and does really well other way around cotter comes out amadio comes in amadio gets a spark so i thought he's done a good job managing the lineup as far as like Amadio and Cotter goes, but recently shuffling Amadio down after four or five shifts because he was light on some pucks. Let me talk to the kid and tell him, Hey, work harder, do something. And then we don't know what happens behind the bench. We don't know, but listen, favorable results. The team is in first. We do love everything about Cassidy. There are some concerns though. And how big will these concerns get if things don't go that well? And see in Boston, they got tired of his voice. And I could see where players could it could kind of wear on you the way that he approaches things. And he's always on the players and all of that. Uh, the big stinker was against the Kings the other night. We'll see how they respond, uh, you know, coming out of this four day break and all of that. But again, they reverted back to some old poor habits of just taking shots from the perimeter. And they didn't have very many of them last year under Pete DeBoer. At least they'd get like 40 shots on net in the they first period from the perimeter. Yeah. They'd all be from the perimeter. This was only a 20-shot-on-goal game, so that's of a concern. It was a terrible I, game. Terrible you know, game. And, and I went back, and I was looking up some stories, Chris, from uh, the preseason camp because I was trying to dig into why he makes these line changes, and he said in camp, he said, I'm not going to be afraid to experiment with lines. And I do remember that. Different changes, remember? And he, he broke up the Misfit line. It was right around the Misfits comments, absolutely. Yeah, and so – that's continued, though. I didn't expect this to happen this late in the season. And when he has all of these veterans and he has a full roster back, I don't think he could toy around with the lineup or should toy around with the lineup because you want that consistency. I uh, Before we forget, let's talk about the impact of John Stevens. Power play improved. Uh, before that clunker the other night against the Kings, they were, I think, in their last four or five games at a 50% clip. So they play pretty well on the power play shorthanded. We see what they're doing. Uh, I think there's an improvement in special teams. And then Sean Burke has done a more than adequate job with the goaltenders. Yeah. I mean, I think Sean Burke is where I'll focus my points on. And again, Logan Thompson, if you would have told at the start of the season, asterisk was goaltending. We thought we had the depth. We thought we had a solid roster to possibly make a run. Possibly. I'll say it like that because of the goaltender asterisk. We have the starting goaltender in the Pacific. We have a quality backup. We have a third goalie at our disposal on our tool belt should something happen to LT or Aiden Hill. Listen, Brassois and Aiden Hill doesn't make me all warm and fuzzy inside, but if that's the hand that we're dealt, I think the team can possibly get by for a while and manage, assuming LT doesn't suffer 
any level of like a season ending injury or anything like that. So credit Burke for uh, taking our biggest concern and making it a much larger strength against many teams in the NHL. But also you have to credit what they've done defensively in saving the goalies at times because they have gotten back on de- defense and, and all the this, injuries on the defense too. Right. And the defense is predicated in the Bruce Cassidy system. Helping out the goalie uh, is what the defense does best in his system. So that's something I think we have to point out as well. You know, I was looking at, uh, I'm sure that Cassidy looks through the box scores and compares where Boston's at and VGK. They're way up there. They're way up there. Well, yeah, they're the best team <laughs> by far. I, I ever, you know, every time I've watched them, but uh, goaltending, uh, they've done a great job there. And now Jim Montgomery obviously has carried on what Cassidy started, but I saw uh, Linus Olmark the other day, 22, one and one. That's his record right now. That's it. He's 20. Yeah. Yeah. 22, one and one. I mean, so they've done a good job. And so hopefully that rubs off here, both uh, Omar and uh, and uh, who was it? Sway? Sway? Swayman, Jeremy Swayman. Um, yeah, Swayman. One last point I want to make, and then I'll cut it back to you to get us out of here. Identity. Is it easy to, and we don't got to discuss this now, but if someone asks you what the VGK identity is, can you define it? I can't. Well, that's a good good topic for tomorrow's show. This is how we plan stuff, folks. We're really good at doing this. Yeah. Let's do that. What's their identity? Because you had I a can't concern. define it. I cannot define it. You had a concern it. that they didn't have one at the start of the season. They still don't, in my opinion. All right. Tease them. Tease them. Don't, don't give it all away. And don't go back to the green slime screen. For my man, Chris Golick, I'm Tony Cardasco. We appreciate you all tuning in. Thanks for making us your first listen. Back oh, again tomorrow. Right I didn't here. do anything. That just I'm happened. Locked on Golden Knights. What oh, is going on here? That just happened. I have no idea. We what got slimed. Happened. I got slimed. Oh, my goodness.